This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Running backs preview part two. Let's get to it. Talk about the best and worst values all the way throughout your drafts from Christian McCaffrey to Giovanni Bernard and other running backs that don't catch a lot of passes. We welcome you to today's show. Today's episode is sponsored by the Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Stay tuned for additional details about Sonos Arc later in today's show. I have the Sonos Arc. It is the Christian McCaffrey of entertainment. It is incredible, and I look forward to telling you all about it a little bit later. All right, what's up, Heath? Welcome to the show. You weren't on RB Preview Part 1. Welcome to Part 2. Yeah, I just I just want to say that I mean I'd like to draft running backs that can beat their ADP, and I don't know that Christian McCaffrey can beat his ADP. So <laughs> that I'm means not you're sure not going to take him. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's a bust. He's a bust. Hot take. Jamie here is here. Dave is here as well. One thing I noticed about running backs um, used to be oh, let's take a look at the last five years. How many top twenty four running backs? Guys who finished in the top twenty four were drafted. Late. I use round seven, round seven or later. It less there. the last couple of years. Okay. So the last five seasons, 10 in 2016, eight in 2017, 10 in 2018. So that's at least a third of the top 24 running backs in full PPR in 2016, 17, and 18. At least a third of them were drafted in round seven later. Now, 2019 won. It was the best year for running backs. Like they were hard. It was a terrible year for zero RB. Only one running back finished top twenty-four and was drafted in round seven or later. Last year, six. I don't know if this is part of a trend, if it's fluky or what, but we haven't had like we had. Yeah, we had James Robinson. And there were a few others, but we haven't really had a ton of really late or undrafted players who had a massive impact for the full season. So that is what it is. I don't know if you guys make anything of that. Heath, make anything of that. You know, I think what I would say is 2019 is the clear outlier, yeah. and the six is a little bit lower than the eight or 10, but this number is going to be so heavily influenced by how many major running back injuries do we have and how many of the guys do we drafted in the first two rounds don't finish in the top 24 opening up spots. Yeah. Well, but we had that last year. We had McCaffrey and Saquon go down with injuries. Those were first-round picks. Um, and Mike other, Davis fil- Mike, finished top 24. Mike Davis came right. 12th. So like that's an example of a guy that came from beyond round seven and ended up being great. But you'd think in a year where those two guys are hurt, along with a couple of other busts at the running back position that weren't, you know, round seven or later, uh, you, you kind of can't help but think that last year was a bit of an anomaly in itself. All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, talk about our favorite late round picks for sure. And I just want to tell you about a new podcast we have if you're into DFS. Fantasy Football Today, DFS is the name of the show. Get ready to dominate DFS this year with optimized lineups, stacks, perceived ownership, leverage plays, and more. Join Frank Stamfel, Mike McClure, and Sia Najad two times a week in the Fantasy Football Today DFS feed. The first episode dropped on Tuesday. You can download and follow the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast on Spotify Apple Podcast, Stitcher, wherever you listen to FFT. I've got some news and notes. You know what, Jamie? You haven't spoken yet. We're going to give you the news and notes. You ready? Sure. All right, we're going to do this real quick. No more than 30 seconds per note. 
Saquon Barkley hoping he can make it back for week one. Yay. <laughs> Round one pick? Yes. Okay. DeAndre Swift has missed significant practice time with a groin injury. Boo. Round eight pick? No. Round three. Round three. Okay. Dobbins or Swift, PPR? Uh, still Swift. Okay. Jamal Williams or Trey Sermon? Uh, Trey Sermon. All right. Aaron Jones has a hamstring injury. Any concerns? Aaron Jones over all those guys. Um, <laughs> no. Not yet. Darren Waller has missed what, eight straight practices? Eight straight. Any concerns? Not yet. Okay. Still a second round pick. Jamie's maybe a little more inclined. Late second, early third. Um, a lot of people are going to take him in the second. Hunter Henry expected to miss a couple weeks with a shoulder injury, Jamie. Not good. Better for Johnny Smith. Did you move Johnny Smith up? I moved him one spot ahead of Tyler Higby from 13 to 12. Okay. And Baltimore wide receiver Rashad Bateman left with a soft tissue injury, I believe. This happened core on muscle, Tuesday. I think I saw. What's that? Core muscle injury? Soft tissue? Oh, core muscle? Okay. Uh, Dr. Heath Cummings showed me the video today and said groin. Core muscle I believe, is, is like... I, I believe the core muscle is connected to the groin muscle, and they are both soft tissues. So I think we're all on the we're same page. all right. Somewhere between the belly button and the knee. Not good. Not good for the Ravens. Not good for Lamar Jackson with Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman both ailing. Good for Mark Andrews? Great for Mark Andrews. Okay. Andrews. All right, let's get into uh, let's get into ADP. Now, we did at the end of yesterday's show before we randomly ranked Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Oh, that was so fun. It really was. <laughs> we talked about the first round, basically, of average draft position. I'm going to pick well, it up. Let's get Heath's top five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Right, at the end. Heath, think about it. You've got like 55 minutes to think about your top five Arnold movies. So let's go with, um, all right, we've got McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Kamara. People want to know that more than they do this. Come on. Uh, <laughs> who's five for you, Heath? Uh, well, I, I haven't even got my, I, I'm going to need a little time to like put them in order. But uh, like I'll just give it a, a, a tease. Kindergarten Cop is definitely in the top five. Yes. All right. I'm not the only one. Uh, so five is Zeke for, for Dave and Jamie. Is it Zeke for you? It is Zeke for me, certainly with the uh, with Jones battling the hamstring right now. And actually, I'd made a little bit of a tweak before that tweak huh? um, because they had talked about not playing A.J. Dillon really in the preseason and treating him like Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. And I thought, hmm, I may not have enough touches projected for A.J. Dillon. So I made a little adjustment, and that put Zeke ahead of Aaron Jones. But he's still six for me. And a pretty clear six. Yeah, everybody's got Jones six. Everybody's got Zeke five. Um, if, if Aaron Jones does miss time, though, I'll put Barkley ahead of Jones. And, well, I'm looking at non-PPR rankings. I'm sorry. Because yeah. in non-PPR, everybody's got Nick Chubb seven. So we have a consensus top seven in the rankings. Yeah, I'm with Barkley ahead of Chubb. Uh, in non-PPR? Yep. Okay. In in full PPR, we have a consensus top seven in the rankings. It, uh, yeah, it is. It's Kamara, Cook. Kam- uh, sorry. It's McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry, Elliott, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler. Gets a little more interesting after that. Let's see. We all have the same top seven? Yeah. Cool. I don't know if that's ever happened before. <laughs> There's the kiss of death. <laughs> Amy, has that ever happened before? <laughs> Who knows? Since, since you started in 06? I, I don't know because Heath wasn't there in 06. So. Well, but I, even just you and me, I don't think we've ever had the exact same top seven before. That's wild. I don't think we've ever had it with Heath around either. This no, it's definitely. 
yeah, I'm not doing my job here. I will. Uh, I'll be better. I'm sorry. <laughs> Contrarian Heath, let's go. All right. So ADP is McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Kamara, Barkley at five, Zeke at six. Actually, I think Zeke moved ahead of him. Uh, what I'm looking at right now, I'm. I just opened at- it today, so Zeke is five, Barkley six. It's funny. Um, All right. If you look at overall yeah. ADP, Zeke is ahead of Barkley. If you look at running back ADP, Barkley is ahead of Zeke. That's weird. So it makes That's perfect sense. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Nick Chubb is seven, which we agreed yesterday. He should not be in PPR. Eckler should go ahead of him. Jonathan Taylor is what more of like a swing pick, 12th-ish overall? I mean, anywhere between 11 and 15 is fine. Okay, Aaron Jones is going too low, we think. He should be your sixth running back off the board. He's going after Chubb, Taylor, Eckler, and Aaron Jones. Um, but He's ahead of Eckler overall. Right. Oh, oh. Uh, let, okay, it does, let's just... It doesn't really matter. Let's talk about um, late round one into early round two. And okay. if we think Eckler, you know, Eckler's seven for everybody. How do we feel about the next group? The next group is, in some order, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Joe Mixon, I think. Dave, you know, take it away. I think it's an interesting group, and, and this is where I bet there is absolutely no consensus about who that eighth best running back is. Uh, in PPR, you can make the case for Chubb just because he's good. You can make the case for Harris because of the opportunity. Same thing with Joe Mixon. But I think Barkley and Taylor need to really be in this group. And I think Antonio Gibson needs to be in this group, too, just because if you're ranking Chubb and Najee Harris in this range and you know that Saquon's on the way back and you know that Taylor's healthy to begin with, I think the talent kind of overrides Chubb here. And it's not taking away anything from Chubb. He's great, too. But I think there's just a little bit more upside with Taylor and Saquon. And, I, and I, we've been talking about it now for a few days. If we knew that Saquon would be fine, he would be much higher than this. And he's getting close to fine. Yeah. Like, I don't want to swing too far in either direction with Saquon. Um, but, like, I'm glad he's off the pup. We didn't think he was going to stay on the pup through the regular season. Like, when we were moving him down because of the report that he might – not play until week two or week three. That that was not a report that he was going to start the season on the pup. Right. Um, so I don't I he's not he's not moved quite back up as much for me, I guess. But I I have only one more running back in the first round. And the rest of these guys I pretty much have behind my group of wide receivers. And the guy that I still have in the first round is Joe Mixon, which makes everybody hate me. So I'm glad I'm back uh, doing my job. Um <laughs> but he's he's the guy that I really don't I don't have a lot of concerns about. I think he's going to get the workload. I think the, I know Joe Burrow's had his tough start to camp, but I think that's going to resolve itself with time. And I, I think Mixon is, uh, this is going to be his best year. He, and that's saying something because 2018 was a great year for Joe Mixon. Uh, people might forget about that, but I think he was a top 10 running back. But, you know, I guess they won't, he's so interesting. He got the work last year. And he was on pace for more than 50 catches. You know, it's not like he's... I know Gio's gone, so we are excited about his opportunity. One of his coaches said uh, months ago, I want Joe Mixon on the field. I don't want Joe Mixon to come off the field. He's got some pass protection things that he needs to work out, but I don't want Joe Mixon to come off the field. I don't remember that was the coordinator or running backs coach. But um, 
he got a lot of work last year, and he pretty much stunk, except for one game. So, well, you know, what do you make of that, Heath? He, he was really he was bad last year. I mean, it was six games. Yeah, but it was it was 119 carries. Like, it wasn't... Yeah, it was. You're right. It was six games. It was a bad and, six games. And I think the most important thing to remember is Joe Mixon was bad for those six games. He only averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Only had one good game. What like whatever he had enough work. He was the number eight running back in fantasy. Because he imagine scored thirty six Imagine if points. he had been good. He scored. He scored forty two PPR points against Jacksonville. He was he was bad for four of those six games. He scored fourteen points at the Colts because he scored a touchdown. I mean, I, look, we could look at where he finished, but we know Joe Mixon was bad last year, and people people think that. And they also are tired of him getting hurt because he played through an injury for the first half of 2019 and he really struggled. So there are a lot of Mixon detractors, as we say all the time, people hate Joe Mixon. But let's at least acknowledge why they hate him, right? Because I think it's a combination well, it's just, of injuries. It's just like Josh Jacobs was bad last year and finished RB8. And he was bad. He was bad last year. There's no denying it. He scored a ton of touchdowns. I want. I would like to have a pair of running backs who are bad this year who finish in the top 10 in running back. The problem is, is that their games, and Jacobs is proof of this last year, as is Mixon, and honestly, you can go back and look at Mixon for the last three seasons, inconsistency is the problem. When you're taking a running back this early, yeah. you really want that running back to be good more often than 50% of the time. In 2018, he played 14 games. He gave you 15-plus PPR in seven of them. 2019 and 2020 combined, he played 22 games, six games with 15-plus PPR. Wow. So just because he's getting the touches and the work, it's it, it's great. You want to have that, but you want to be able to have somebody in fantasy that you're going to count on for big games each week. Now, if he's going to be inconsistent and you want to call him the Tyler Lockett of fantasy running backs, fine, but don't take him in with a top 15 pick. Well, I think the thing that you're hoping for with Mixon is you're hoping that the passing game work is is going to be such a huge boost for him that he takes over that role and doesn't come off the field and, you know, make some plays out in space and does some different things that we haven't really seen from him consistently because of Gio's presence. The other part is this offensive line is going to be better. You know, no matter how how you look at the additions and what what they are. I mean, Pro Football Focus has ranked them higher than what they finished last year. Bringing in Riley Reef is uh, you know a, a positive addition. You know, the three late round picks that they spent in the draft. You know, they're they're throwing capital at it, and so in some way, shape, or form, even if it's ten percent better, twenty percent better, fifty percent better, however, it's going to be better. So those are the things you're hoping for. The, the negative is everything, you know, you guys have just laid out in terms of his inconsistency, plus the fact that the division has arguably three of the best defenses that he's going to face. Yeah. You know, uh, he's going to play him six times. You know, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and, and Baltimore are going to have three really, really good run defenses. And so that's going to be tough for him. Now you have a quarterback that's a little skittish coming off a, a knee injury. So those are legitimate concerns. I think he belongs in the second round. I think he's still got the upside of 300-plus touches. You've talked about this, Adam, what running backs do with 300 carries. He definitely has that potential to be that guy if he stays healthy. But can he put it all together week in, week out, and do those type of things? There's a reason he's being drafted in round two in the back end of the first of the number one running backs. Yeah, by the way, one, uh, sorry, Dave, let me just say, yeah, uh, ahead, every running back in the last five years who's had 300 carries has finished top five. And he PPR. was on pace for that last year. He was. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt had 299 carries and did not finish top five. Nick Chubb at 298 and did not finish top five. Uh, but, that intact. Yeah, so if you, you got to get to 300. But they both finished top 12. All right, so there is, I think what Heath is referring to is there's a floor there because of all the touches, and that's absolutely true. Uh, Dave, what were you going to say? It makes sense that there's a floor there for sure. So 
in his career against the Steelers, Joe Mixon has one game with over 100 yards and one touchdown. In his career against the Ravens, he has one game with over 100 yards and one touchdown. And Jamie's right. I'm glad Jamie brought up the schedule because it's tough. Like, not only does he take on the Browns, and the Browns are going to be a better defense this year, he's got the Vikings on the schedule. I think they're going to be tough. He's got uh, Denver. But this is where the passing down work has to come in and help him. You know, that's that's there. It'll help him for sure. But I still think the rushing efficiency could weigh on him a little bit. I'm not as old as you are on the line. I think we can all agree if Joe Mixon is the same guy he's been in his career, he will not be worth a pick in the first round. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, so we need we need him to get better. Obviously, well, he, we need him to get more work. Right. Better for fantasy. Right. Um, right. First three games: Vikings, Bears, Steelers. Right. I Vikings don't know have, for sure that more than one of those defenses is good. I, I mean, the Vikings' defensive tackles should be very good. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean their run defense is good, but they have two brand new defensive tackles: one who opted out last year, one that they signed in free agency. Um, but well, we don't want to. Okay, we could spend an hour on Joe Mixon. Let's talk about the whole group, right? It's Mixon, it's Gibson, it's Najee Harris, it's Barkley and Jonathan Taylor. So, first question: If Barkley is full go for Week One, is he ahead of everybody in that group? By far, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that group. I would still have him behind everybody else we've talked to, everyone else before. But yeah, he would be ahead of this. He'd be at the top of this group for me. Okay, okay then so. Let's talk about if anything separates Mixon, Harris, Gibson. Who am I forgetting? Taylor. Mixon, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, and Antonio Gibson. Uh, Heath obviously prefers Mixon. Um, Dave, who's your favorite in that group? Um, give me the names one more time. Sorry, it's, yeah. Is it Gibson, Chubb, Harris, Mixon? No. Oh, Chubb. I should. I'm sorry. Gosh. Yeah. Chubb. Chubb should be in there too. All right. I'm sorry. It's a five person group. It is Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, and Najee Harris. It's Taylor. Definitely has the most upside of this group. He's healthy. The offensive line will eventually come around for Indianapolis. That matters to me more than the quarterback coming around for Indianapolis, and they're going to feed him the rock. Jamie, who's your favorite in this group? Barkley, and it's not. Oh, close. no, sorry. I mean, Barkley is not in this group. It's, oh, it's, Taylor, Tubb, Gibson, and Mixon? And ha- Najee. Uh, Taylor. Okay, Taylor, Taylor, and you're Mixon, Heath? Yes, Taylor would be next, though. Who is your least favorite in this group? Uh, Harris. Najee Harris. Dave, who's your least favorite in this group? Is Mixon in this group? Yes. Mixing. <laughs> yeah, we've been yelling about it for 10 minutes. Jamie, who's your least favorite of this group? Najee. Now, is that like I don't like him or he's just the last one? He's just the last one, but they're all very good. All right. So you guys like Gibson better than Najee Harris? I, I think the thing... Oh, I'm sorry. I put Gibson behind Najee. Okay. Um, I, I think the thing with Harris, and like we're always projecting with all running backs... But we're projecting the Steelers to throw to their running backs a lot more and for maybe the worst offensive line in football to not hinder him. Again, sure. though, you know, worst offensive line that we just we're judging based on on last year and new faces, you know. So the hope would be that the new faces are better with the new system. But they did not add again, anyone who has I, don't, ever I, don't, been. I don't think you're wrong what you said, but it's it, it's it's again. It, they're replacing guys that that names that you knew that probably were starting to fade, and and not play as well. Maybe you can make case Villanueva should have been back, but but again, you know the the players that they got rid of 
hopefully the group as a whole is better. They have five guys in different spots, four new starters overall. Yeah, but it seems like a weakness. And if it's better than it, def- it definitely seems like a weakness. I'm and they started off, they started off playing well last year, but they quickly deteriorated. You know, you could make yeah. all the arguments you want to about James Conner injury, not playing well, Benny Snell not being the guy. All those things are true. Uh, ben not being right, you know, everything was was kind of just bad for a team that went 12 and 4, by the way. <laughs> uh, but, you know, <laughs> still, they feel pretty confident about the group that they have, that the system that they're going to put in place with the new coordinator. And you got to just, you know, again, it's it's the same thing. You know, it's, it goes back to the make a case why a guy's a bust. It's make a case why a guy can be, you know, uh, successful. And the, the hope with Mixon is that offensive line's better, he gets better in the pass game. The hope with Najee is that he is that three-down guy that Tomlin's always used and that this offensive line is better. So you have to you have to weigh these things. You know, this is what you the, the choices that you make. Do you decide on Najee versus uh, Gibson? Do you decide on Edward Solaire? You know, maybe he should be in this conversation. Do you take the safe route of Nick Chubb, knowing that he's not going to be involved in the passing game to the same extent as maybe some of these guys? So, or do you just avoid all the all of them like Heath's probably going to do and just take a wide receiver? You know, so it it goes back to the conversation yesterday uh, of. Uh, do you take one running back in the first round and then this is the second round group and, and you just get away from the running back and take the wide receiver? Do you all feel comfortable with these players, you know, as top 18 picks and potentially ahead of Diggs, Ridley, and Hopkins? Yes. No. Uh, I would put Diggs ahead of most of them. I would put them ahead of the other group just because I, I think four through eight to 10 at the wide receiver position could get a little bunched up. So he's, do you ever end up with these guys? Do you ever end up with, uh, with Chubb or I've definitely drafted Mixon on a few teams. I've, I don't think I've drafted Barkley or Taylor. Um, I got, I got Chubb in our mock today, but that wasn't a draft. Sorry, I don't Captain. think I've drafted Harris or Gibson. So no, this oh. is this is like early in the second round is generally when I'm going with those wide and Jamie said it. I think he's right. Like that four through eight gets bunched up. I just put four through eight, maybe four through seven. Like those guys all ahead of this group. I've I've got um, these running backs ranging from like sixteen to twenty two, as opposed to twelve to eighteen. And Clyde Edwards-Elair, Jamie probably does belong in this group. He's the next one off the board, but he's right behind Joe Mixon. Um, all right, this is another polarizing guy. And right. we, you know, after this, we'll probably kind of group players a little bit more, but let's get into Clyde Edwards Elair. I think you really like him this year. I do. You know, I, I, another group, you know, again, we can look at the Steelers and the Bengals and say that offensive line stinks. The, the Chiefs better have a good offensive line with the, you know, capital that they put into that group. And they have the best quarterback, they have arguably the best play caller. Andy Reid's running backs, uh, you know, for the most part, have been tried and true, except for this guy last year, you know, which was the expectation that he was going to be the next great Chiefs or next great Reid running back. Um, I like the fact that the competition behind him is minimal. You know, uh, if Daryl Williams is taking him off the field, the Chiefs are idiots. Are idiots. Um, if Derek McKinnon is going to have more than a, a minimal role aside from the passing game, then the Chiefs are idiots. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs are idiots, so I'm going to trust that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has a chance to you know, live up to the first-round billing that they gave him in last year's draft. And so the uh, the investment's different this year because last year we were saying he was a first-round pick or some people were saying he was a first-round pick. I was one of them. Um, and he failed. But the first six games showed you what I think the upside could be with a guy coming off the street, no offseason, having to learn that, that playbook. Uh, we had Evan Washburn, one of our CBS Sports NFL reporters on CBS Sports HQ, and you know he he brought that up that the the Chiefs threw a lot at Edwards Hilaire, and he didn't you know maybe handle it as well as they would have hoped, which is why they invested in Le'Veon Bell, who uh, 
you know, came to them at, at next to nothing. So as it stands right now, I, I think taking a chance on somebody with this type of upside in round two is worth it. And I definitely think he belongs in the mix with those other guys. And would any, when would everybody take Clyde Edwards either? Seems like Jamie's okay in mid round two. Dave, how about you? Clyde Edwards either. Round three. I'm, I'm a little nervous. Count me in on someone who doesn't want to overvalue Edwards Hilaire on the hope that he's getting more work on third downs, on the hope that he starts to work more in short yardage and goal line situations. That offensive line, it's great for him. There's no question about it. Maybe it helps his efficiency. That would be awesome. But that offensive line was also built to protect Patrick Mahomes. And I think that that's, that, that's going to be the guy who benefits a lot is Mahomes. And Edward Zelaire is someone that the coaching staff, if he messes up again, he might be in a sick timeshare all year long. So mm -hmm. I, I just I can't bring myself to invest in him with a round two pick. And Heath, how about you? When would you feel comfortable drafting Clyde Edwards? I, this is like you talk about running backs that I haven't been able to draft this season. Um, yeah, I've I, I'm more of a three four turn guy with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. How everybody else be like? I've got him in the uh, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders range. So I'm not I'm not getting him. And I and I mostly like the short yardage thing, especially. I would agree completely with what Jamie said. Like you don't. We shouldn't be using Daryl Williams in short yardage over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had like five short yardage carries or something last year. We have no idea if he's good or not. The only thing I would disagree with is if like in practice he still can't protect Patrick Mahomes, then he shouldn't ever play on third down again, or at least until he can in practice because that's the most important thing that anybody on the field is doing in Kansas City. Yeah, He, though, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the only running back on the Chiefs last year, last year, who had more than one carry inside the five-yard line. So they, it's not like they were using Darrell Williams near the goal line last year. It they was weren't. Only you know five. who they were using? They were throwing the ball. They were doing the stupid passes to Tyreek Hill. That, well, okay, it's not they stupid. stupid. They I, they just, I just don't really consider throws. it a pass. It just bothers me from fantasy it's football. if Clyde's on your roster. It's lots of fun if Kelsey or Tyreek or Harden yeah, 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 those yeah. guys is on your team. No, they're very creative, very creative near the goal line, and it did hurt Clyde Edwards-Zeller. But, you know, if he gets better at that, he was the only guy that they used in that role, the only running back. Okay, um, so uh, we got to talk about DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery. We'll get into round three. There's a little bit of a drop in ADP after Clyde Edwards-Zeller, who's in the middle of round two. Uh, well, he's, I guess, toward the end. He's at 22. I, mean, I just don't usually see Joe Mixon last to 21. Clyde Edwards either at 22, and then you get to 28, which is DeAndre Swift, 28 in average draft position. Before we get to that, though, let me now tell you about Sonos Arc. So it's this bar that sits near your TV and blasts the, be not like in a loud way, but produces the best sound you've ever heard. I was unsure. I didn't really know what to think. But I actually went to my cousin's, and he has Sonos. We were just listening to music outside, and he had Sonos speakers. So I was like, damn, this is incredible quality. So then I got one. I got the bar and uh, the Arc. And, I mean, it's just, it's just a game changer. The crack of the baseball bat, for example. I haven't really gotten to watch football with, uh, with Sonos, so I'm looking forward to that. But the crack of the baseball bat is so crisp. It grabs your attention. I use it all the time when I'm not watching TV. I hook up Spotify to my Sonos Arc, and just it's like Bluetooth, and you just listen to all the music, and it's in, it's just amazing sound quality. So I absolutely recommend it. Uh, it's the best sound that I've ever heard. Honestly, the best sound I've ever heard from a TV at home, and it doesn't take up a lot of room. It's not like a big thing. It's not speakers all over the wall or anything. It just goes right in front of your TV. It was so easy to set up using the Sonos app. 
Um, it looks really good. It just looks like a nice part of the entertainment system. And, uh, you know, I wish I had had it for Game of Thrones because that would have been amazing. But, like, everything I watch is just awesome. We were watching A Quiet Place, and there's not a lot of sound in there. But when there's sound, it really counts, and it really grabs you. And when you have a system like this, it makes everything so much better. You're going to like your movies, your TV, your, your, your music, your sports, everything so much better. If you want to learn more, go to Sonos.com. That's all you got to do. S-O-N-O-S.com to learn more. I promise it's worth it. Go read about it, buy it. You're going to love it. And with that said, we've got Raising the Bar presented by Sonos. We're looking at players who have the potential to raise their game to the next level. And we'll take a look at this tier of running back and tell me who has the potential to raise their game to the next level. DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins. Um, And we'll yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll go with Swift, Montgomery, and Dobbins. They are mid-round three picks. You might be choosing between George Kittle and these guys. You might be choosing between Allen Robinson or Terry McLaurin and these guys. Swift, Montgomery, Dobbins. Jamie, who's got the best chance, you think, to raise their game to the next level? It's not Montgomery, and that's not because I don't like him. He's just not going to finish as a top three running back after finishing number four last year. So uh, it's it's one of the two sophomores. Um I think Dobbins has the most room to grow if, in fact, they give him an opportunity to, uh, you know, do some different things more in the passing game like we've heard, which is a stretch. But uh, I don't like the fact of the co-starters that they listed for their first preseason game with him and Gus Edwards. Not that it's anything you should buy into, per se, but it's still a little troubling. Um, If Swift was healthy, I would say Swift for sure in PPR. Dobbins in non-PPR, but, man, both those guys have so many concerns. Do you guys like these running backs in mid-round three? Dobbins, Swift, and Montgomery? Well, I'm taking Dobbins and Montgomery over like five guys we've already talked about. So, yeah. I uh, Dobbins or Swift? Uh, Swift and Montgomery. Okay. Uh, in PPR, I don't really like Dobbins here that much. I'd rather get him in round four, and he's never there at all. So, I just don't – Dobbins is a guy I don't get. Um, but I'm not really scared of Tariq Cohen anymore. I've pretty much like, I don't quite think Montgomery's going to have the same touch total he did last year, but I don't think it's going to be that far off. And so I've got him close to my top 12. I don't expect him to fully repeat the top four season from last year, but I do think he has a good shot at 300 touches. I think he still has a good shot at 50 catches. And if Justin Fields shows up and makes this offense good, then there's no reason David Montgomery can't be a top five running back again. Dave, how about you? Dobbins, Swift, and Montgomery. Who's worthy of a top 30 pick? I think Montgomery is the one who's worth it the most. We've seen it from him. We know what his potential is. You go back to those six games last year. They were outstanding. He averaged four and a half targets per game in those six. He actually averaged four and a half targets per game in in the nine games before then as well. That was when Tariq Cohen was healthy. Well, for part of that, Tariq Cohen was healthy. But really, it was the carries. It was the workload that the Bears gave him. They gave him a lot of snaps. He came through against weak opponents. I'm a little concerned about the offensive line being good for Chicago. They're a little beat up right now. But the point Heath made about Justin Fields just can't be understated because Fields is a two-way quarterback. He's a rushing threat. That's obviously going to help open up lanes because defenses have to pay attention to Fields when he's got the ball just as much as they have to worry about Montgomery. So maybe that means fewer crowded boxes for Montgomery, especially once Fields does the mesh and then gives Montgomery the ball and then fakes the run himself. He would be at the top of the list. I've got Swift ahead of Dobbins in PPR for obvious reasons. I think Swift has immense upside as a pass catcher. There's been a lot of talk out of Detroit about him being the workhorse there. 
just as much talk about him being a 1A or a 1B, and now he's beat up. So I'm nervous about it, but I think he can still be that Eckler in Detroit. So that means 70 catches are on the table for him. He was not bad in short yardage goal line situations last year. I don't know if he'll keep that role this year, but he'll get a lot of usage. Unfortunately, it's with the team that's probably going to play from behind a lot. That'll help him with the catches. It'll hurt him with the carries. Dobbins has the most upside because he's got he's the most talented of these three, if you ask me. He's awesome. It's but, just a matter of opportunities in Baltimore. Will he be able to fend off Gus Edwards and put him into like four or five carries per game, which we kind of started to see toward the end of last year. Edwards wasn't working as much, and certainly Dobbins was dominating at the goal line compared to Gus Edwards. I hope that continues. We know that Lamar doesn't get a lot of carries in short yardage, and there's all this talk about J.K. Dobbins doing more in the passing game. If that were to happen, then we're all way too low on J.K. Dobbins, and he should be closer to round two, not round three. Okay, I so, just want to circle yeah. back. Like in full PPR, I don't think J.K. Dobbins this season, I, unless Baltimore just changes their offense completely, has has the same upside as Swift and Montgomery. Just because it's been really set the last three years, thirty percent of the carries for Lamar Jackson, thirty five percent of the carries for RB two. 35% of the carry, 40% of the carries for RB1. I just did the math wrong, but, and maybe 40 running back targets for the whole team. So I, I think that like Swift, I agree with what Dave said. He's in a position where he could have 70 to 80 catches and it would just be consistent with the offense that that team wants to run. Um, and I, the other thing is on the Swift injury, I, I don't know what to make of that right now. It's not good. I wish he wasn't missing reps but I don't know that he's actually missed any days of practice. And I can't imagine if it was a serious injury, they would have him out there doing anything. Well, I mean, just, just to put that in perspective, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson were practiced today. Also, they're not doing anything, but they're walking through drills. So he could be out there listening to what they're saying, you know, sitting next, you know, standing next to Anthony Lynn or to do Staley and listening to what they're saying, you know, but he may not be, you know, touching the football or doing anything of, of that magnitude. Uh, I think the, the, the problem with the injury is, is that Swift should have been closer to the other group which is probably like where Heath has it ranked, but he's falling back closer to this group of, of my, and maybe Montgomery doesn't belong in this group as well, but you know, he's falling closer to where these guys are being drafted, you know, so Swift's upside, if he's right, should still be, you know, I think closer to what like Gibson and Edwards Hilaire and, and, and those type of guys because of what his role should be. But um, the thing with Dobbins is, and, and it's a hope again, you know, this is what you're hoping for, but he has the chance to, to, you know, maybe double Swift and touchdowns just based on how these two teams look. You know, it wouldn't be surprised if it's like a 12 to 6 situation in terms of rushing touchdowns oh, yeah. or whatever Swift does as a as a pass catcher. The other part for Dobbins is is this Rashad Bateman injury now, which is being reported as uh, uh, several weeks um, that he's going to miss time. Uh, Mike Garofalo mm-hmm. of the NFL Network just, just sent this out now. And if Marquise Brown is out, they may not have a choice but to throw him the ball a little bit more. You know, so or they just lean more into the run game. And we saw what that was for him last year, as Dave uh, you know alluded to, and obviously what it could be for Lamar Jackson too. So. Uh, you know, their their plan may have gone off the rails a little bit with some of these injuries, and they may just you know revert back to what worked for them last year as as a as an offense. Well, and what I, that was last year, Adam, was eleven point six carries per game for Dobbins in the final seven. Gus actually, I, I sold him short. He had nine point seven carries per game, but Gus only had one short yardage goal line carry in his last seven. That includes the postseason. Dobbins was three for three. Plus, he had a touchdown from four yards out and from five yards out. Mm. I, yeah. I think he's got that role, and that's a good start for him. I just wish he'd have a few more carries. That we, If we could lock him into 14 carries per game, plus the short yardage role, and then have this hope that he catches more passes, 
I, I think he's kind of close to that already. I think that he'd be much more intrigued. A intriguing for mm-hmm. fantasy. All right, let me just give you this on Dobbins here. His last six games, that was almost everybody that we're talking about today had a great six-game stretch last year. That was just kind of how it worked, uh, including Daryl Henderson, ironically. Not a great, but like a featured six-game stretch. And, and I think Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis too, right? I don't know about them, but all of the year two guys, it was six games. It's really weird. Uh, last six games, his pace, he averaged 6.4 yards per carry, by the way. I'm paced for 205 carries and only eight catches, but 19 touchdowns. And that made him the number six running back per game in non-PPR. But where did it make Dobbins in full PPR? Number 11 per game. So that, like, the best-case scenario, 19 touchdown pace and 6.4 yards per carry, he wasn't, he was number 11 per game in PPR. So just keep that in mind. And that is basically where Mark Ingram finished in PPR in 2019. Um... Now, listen, the, the third round is a horrible round for running backs. Uh, it just is. Yeah, the, in, in half PPR in the last four seasons, 23. You mean historically, historically. Yeah. 23 running backs in the last four years have been selected in round three in half PPR. Ten of them finished outside the top 30. Uh, only four of them finished in the top 10. So four of 23. So this is, this is like, and if you look at ADP, it's, re- I think, really interesting. Most of the high-end wide receivers come off the board before Swift and Montgomery and Dobbins. Uh, So you're talking Metcalf, Ridley, Waller, Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Kittle, Keenan Allen, and then Swift, Montgomery, Dobbins, and then McLaurin, Allen Robinson. Should McLaurin and Allen Robinson be going ahead of these three running backs? Yes. I've got McLaurin ahead of Dobbins. I've got Robinson ahead of all three. Yeah, I think I have um, all uh, both of them ahead of Dobbins for sure. I think I probably have Swift and Montgomery ahead of them. All right, let's go to our next group. And this is going to be late round three and into round four. Miles Sanders, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, and I think we should throw Daryl Henderson in here as well. So that would be six running backs. What? No, no. <laughs> no, I mean you can put anybody you want in here, but this is this is where I think people start to draw that red line that we talked about. Where okay, I'm not going to feel good about these guys in a starting spot on my team. All right. Well, to be fair, I mean I guess if we're really going by ADP. It's I'm doing it wrong because Sanders, Carson, and Jacobs are 35, 36, and 37. They're at the three, four turn. Miles Gaskin is 46th. Mike Davis is 53rd with Kareem Hunt. So I don't know what what is in your mind the next room. And by the way, Travis Etienne's uh, ADP is really weird. He's not listed on ESPN, so his ADP is dragged all the way down. But he should probably be in this range too. So I guess I should just ask you, which running backs do you look for in this range as we get to, where the hell is Chris Carson? Oh, there he is. Oh, I said him. Yeah. I'm sorry. Carson, is that the, the name of this tier? Guy. Yeah, Carson. Okay. All right. So, so yeah. So, Heath, which running backs do you look for three, four swing and into round four? I mean, if you're talking Carson, Jacobs, and Sanders, it's, um, it's Carson because I don't think he has as much competition despite the fact that Rashad Penny got a little bit of good run before he uh, pulled up lame again. <laughs> Um, and I don't know, he might be back at practice today, but I, I saw he was out over the weekend. 
And Carson's been pretty underrated. I mean, you talk about how much everybody hates Joe Mixon. Car- Chris Carson's been Joe Mixon two rounds later for the last three years and maybe just a little bit more reliable. So I, if I'm taking your running back in this range, and I'm not often, but it's Carson's the guy that I'm looking for, and I think he's a high-end number two running back. There are guys that w- several guys we've talked about that I would take Carson over. Yeah, so this is like, uh, I think this is going to be a popular wide receiver range for a lot of people. This is the Dallas guys, the Tampa Bay guys, Robert Woods, Julio Jones. Um, but if you, you know, if you're looking this for This is the Mahomes range for me in our drafts, but that's not true for anybody that's listening, probably. And it's not really a tight end range because the big three are off the board. Um, but, you know, okay, so so Carson's our favorite, Sanders, Jacobs, and then let's say ETN. Do you think ETN, Henderson, Gaskin, and Davis belong? Mike Davis belong with this group? I yes. put Gaskin ahead of uh, Sanders and, and Jacobs and uh, Henderson as well. I think, I almost think Carson is, I don't ever, I, I think Carson, I think is the only one that I'd be comfortable taking in late round three. Yeah, I agree with that. Jamie, yeah. I think Jamie likes Gaskin, so maybe he'd take Gaskin there. And, and he I would not take a, Gaskin in round three, no. But I think Carson late round three is correct, yes. So, so Gaskin, you like more than Henderson, ETN. Yeah, I, I have it. Gaskin, Henderson, uh, Sanders, Jacobs. I have it. Gaskin, Henderson, Jacobs, Davis. I've got Sanders about four running backs away. Where's ETN? After this group, for me. Uh, non PPR ETN is after in PPR. I like him better than Davis. Okay. So make your Miles Gaskin case, Jamie. Well, I mean, we saw it last year. You know, once uh, they they realized that Jordan Howard was uh, Dunzo, they decided to give Gaskin the job basically in week three. Um, you know, when we play the uh, the extrapolation game, you know, and take the the numbers that he put up in the games that he appeared he ple- appeared in ten games, um, and in those ten games, he had uh, 142 carries, 548 yards, and three touchdowns, and 41 catches, 388 yards, and two touchdowns. So over 16 games, that's 877 rushing yards and 66 catches for 621 yards. You know how many running backs had 800 rushing yards and 600 receiving yards? No, I'm not even going to guess. Keith? 800 and 600? 800 rushing and 600 receiving. I'm going to say zero. Two. Dave? I'll say 37. Oh, Kamara, Kamara did. Uh, Kamara is the only running back to do that last year. So uh, that's pretty good company, you know, if if Gaskin has that type of upside. Now, again, it's a huge stretch, clearly, because he's not Alvin Kamara. But the Dolphins treated him as the guy. And you tell me Malcolm Brown is the one that they brought in to take him off the field at this point. You know, we keep saying the the Dolphins and the Falcons. It's like Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin keep skating by. Uh, The Dolphins' offensive line, I think, is good. Uh, Brian Flores told Pete Briscoe that they love Miles Gaskin. Um, you know, so he's in a great spot and, you know, this is a, a team that's going to be competitive. Uh, I, I think the, the offense is actually going to, you know, perform maybe better than people think with, with Tua, uh, comparatively to where he played last year. So, uh, to me, Miles Gaskin might be a, a third round player by the time, you know, the season's over, if he can stay healthy. And it was somewhat fluky, you know, he had the, uh, lower leg injury, which was, was disappointing, but he missed two games because of COVID. And you saw, though, I think the encouraging thing is when when he went out, they just went right right to the next guy and didn't make it a committee. You know, so they like to use one guy, and Miles Gaskin seems to be that guy. 
Adam, Adam, you will love this. His He had an eight-game stretch that I think rivals any of the second-year backs six-game stretches. His final, he started his first game week three at Jacksonville. The next eight games, he was on pace for 1,648 total yards and 10 touchdowns. That included 62 catches. He scored 13 or more PPR fantasy points in eight of nine games beginning in week three. I think just people are going to say, am I drafting a a good running back. He averaged 4.1 yards per carry. His longest carry of the season was 26 yards, which is nothing special. He fumbled at the end of it. He was a seventh round draft pick. Um, I, I think people should not ask that question as often as we have referenced it early in this show. Why? I think they should ask, am I drafting a running back who could get 20 touches a game? But if he's not he, good, if he's not, a game. if he's not good, then he's going to Todd Gurley it and he's going to get replaced. You know, that, I mean, that, that it is an important question. Occasionally. No, how many bad running backs? Like, look at what happened with Mike Davis last year. This most, is why people are afraid of, of Mike we Davis. We don't know. Well, I don't, don't think know, right. Right. talent matters quite as much as you think it does. I think situation and role matters the most. You're not going to keep There are a few outliers. You're, not, not you're a, just not going to keep your role if you're bad. And I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's bad. You're, you're, you're right, Adam, because Davis is a great example. He started to struggle at the end, and you know they started to you know use other guys. They used Curtis Samuel more as a running back. It was it was a frustrating situation, you know, for people that were riding Mike Davis into the playoffs. Uh, Todd Gurley's another good example of that. Um, oh wait, huh? You know what? David Montgomery is a good example. David Montgomery, his first like year and a half wasn't doing anything, and he was getting a ton of work. He wasn't, yeah, even with Tariq Cohen's out. And he was doing nothing with it. Then he had the easiest schedule in world history, and he crushed it for the last six games of the year. David Montgomery's not bad, and we've, this this has been litigated. But he's not great. But he's not great, and he's better than, he's probably better than Miles Gaskin. But, but like, you have to be, like, I I don't really agree with the whole premise that running back skill doesn't matter and only opportunity matters. Because if you're not good, you're not going to keep getting the opportunities. It it It, it is, though, t- just to counter, like you said, you know, seventh round pick, you know, the, the pedigree is a little bit different, you know, in today's NFL than it has been, you know. And, and Gaskin's a good example of that. James Robinson's a good example of that. You know, you, you can give a guy an opportunity and he takes advantage of it. And maybe his skill set wasn't worthy of being drafted in the first or second round of the NFL draft. But teams could have made a mistake, and they find that guy, and they give him an opportunity, and he thrives sure. in it. Chris Carson. At, at the same time, those, those are few and far between. But, you know, I think you look at how the coaching staff features him or, or, or treats him. Uh, they seem to treat him, you know, as, as a lead running back as, as much as anybody else in the league. Um, you know, did have a significant role in, or significant enough role in the passing game. Um, and their offseason should, should kind of be a, a telling situation as well. You know, they had every opportunity – with all the draft capital that they had to make a move in the NFL draft, they didn't. Their biggest free agent acquisition to date is Malcolm Brown. The guy that they, that they put a waiver claim in on, on Johnson, that they didn't get, is probably not going to make the team in Philadelphia. So even if he had come, he might not have been a factor as well. So the Dolphins are treating him like their guy. And I think fantasy managers should as well. And everything you saw from him last year you know, speaks to a very good player, maybe not an upper echelon elite level player, but a good enough player that you can treat as a as a number two running back, maybe with top twelve upside. I'm sorry, I just want to finish. When you look, when you go back and you look at running backs that have been huge busts, and you see players like Alex Collins and Isaiah Crowell, who looked like they were in line for big opportunities. The good thing is those guys were going in the third round. 
when they were when they were busts. And you don't have to do that with Jeremy Langford, Trent Richardson. Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's a lot of guys. And Richardson, Richardson I would have told not you going in the third round. Well, Richardson, <laughs> well, I would have told you was probably a really he, he good player. Good. He, he was, he was a, definitely good. Right. He was a shocking, like Richardson's one of the biggest, Montgomery. Richardson's one of the biggest busts, like, you know, ever basically at the position, but wasn't he under four yards per carry? His I'm saying year? that he, mockingly, he was obviously not better than David Montgomery, oh, but okay. all, all, all visual perception and idea of ours based on what he'd done in college and where he was right. drafted is that he was much better than David Montgomery. My point is though, that we do fall in love with opportunities a lot, and we end up drafting Alex Collins and Isaiah Crowell in the third round, and Justin Forsett and stuff like that, and we, you know, we live to regret it. Uh, so that that's the only point I'm trying to make up. We and, and also look. ascribe bad yards per carry to running backs, and then they have top five seasons, and we live to regret it. Like who? David Montgomery. Yeah, but David Montgomery had six games at the end of the year. He was still a Every, bad, inefficient we running back. Well, sure. I mean, running he, he back into this with and, and look, if, if David Montgomery, he's not a great runner. He's not that fast. Like, that, he doesn't break away. He doesn't give you big plays. He's very good at breaking tackles. He's shifty. He is good at that, no question. But he's not an elite running back. Otherwise— He said shifty, right? Yes. There was an F. I heard an F. All right, I'm sorry. I'm getting off track. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Where does he's he a really belong? good running back. Where does he? You know, he he hasn't really been as good with the with the Browns. I don't really understand it. He he just he's been good when he was by himself with the Browns. He wasn't good when he was with Nick Chubb with the Browns. Not really though. I mean, it yeah. depends what you use. Like, was the production good? Yeah, it was it was pretty good. But uh, he wasn't nearly as explosive with the Browns as he was with the Chiefs. So I don't really yes. get that. Yes, but, um, I mean, he's older. He's he's obviously you know gone through his, his off-field situation, so... You but know, where does he belong? That, I mean. Where does he belong? Because he's going 53rd, I think, Kareem Hunt. We were we were talking about a group that included Sanders, Gaskin, Henderson, Etienne, Davis, Jacobs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hunt's behind them all. The only reason he's behind them all is because of the workload. That's the only thing. You know, I mean, if he was by, on a different team, then it's a different situation. But <laughs> If he's on a know. different team, he's ahead of almost, you know, 90% of running backs in the National Football League. Right, right. He's he's around. You know, the group that we that we talked about yesterday, Adam of Jamal Williams, Gus Edwards, AJ Dillon, all these guys that are going to play in tandem with their other, uh, you know, lead rusher. He's the best of that guy by far, but he needs Nick Chubb to disappear for him to maximize his potential. And I, I struggle with him and ETN because I think it's like I think I actually have Hunt projected for more points in both formats. ETN seems more exciting and actually appears to have the ability to take the job from James Robinson where we don't see that ability for Nick Chubb. But I don't know for sure. Like The situation's obviously a lot better for Kareem Hunt. If Kareem Hunt ends up in a feature role and Travis ETN ends up in a feature role on the Jaguars, I I would much rather have Kareem Hunt. Yes. Um, So I... Like those are two guys that I struggle with quite a bit. I think I, I'll probably rank ETN higher, but project Hunt higher. But they shouldn't be that far apart. So let's get into round six then. After Kareem Hunt, um, I can't really skip over Mike Davis. So can you guys give me just a quick thought on Mike Davis? Dave, are you confident in Mike Davis? No, he's twenty-eight years old. He his breakout season was last year, given the opportunity after being pretty much a perennial backup. He had three amazing games. And then you saw his target share dwindle 
over the last half of the season in Carolina. He wasn't particularly efficient, certainly not nearly as efficient as he was in those first three games. And then he he joins Atlanta, and and I don't I think he can be the lead back there to start the season. But the same thing that you were kind of talking about with Gaskin, Adam, absolutely applies to Mike Davis. Not that I'm ready to say go get Kadri Allison or Javian Hawkins or Cordero Patterson. You know, I'm not going to say anything like that. I just I don't know if the the Falcons subscribe to the theory that they need to have a mega back. I I, I know that Arthur Smith had one in Tennessee. He had the chance to go out and get one in the draft. He didn't do it. I, I just think Mike Davis is kind of a guy filling a role right now, and he doesn't have the same type of upside that other running backs in this group do. I, I don't know what his upside is, and I, I'd be interested to see what he looks like in games at the start of this year because I do think it's different when you prepare for a season to be the starter as opposed to when you prepare to be a backup. I mean, surely we'd like for all guys to prepare to just be the starter, but I don't think it's the same thing. I don't remember any pictures of his quads last summer. <laughs> And they look spectacular now. Um, I will just, again, he had a six-game stretch. It was three games that were awesome, but he had a six-game stretch where he was on pace for 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. And I do think the situation in Atlanta is better. I think the Falcons line will likely be better than the Panthers was last last year. I think the Falcons will score more points than the Panthers did last year. So I, I think he's a little bit underrated where he's being drafted. I would rather draft Mike Davis than Miles Sanders. The thing, the thing with Davis is... And I think both guys said it like he just feels like a floor play as opposed to a ceiling play. Like I don't think there's top 10 or top 15 upside with Mike Davis unless he just cobbles his way to, you know, total points by the end of the year. And the the one thing that, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at the situation by comparison, that system last year, the, the team is the Heath is right. The Falcons team should probably put up more points than the Panthers team, but the system in Carolina certainly was set up to favor the running back more so than this system is. And that's, you know, not taking anything away from Arthur Smith and what he did, but the involvement in the passing game, the, uh, the ability to get their running backs out in space, whether carrying the ball or, or throwing to them, I, I think matters, you know, quite a bit. And I think with Mike Davis, you know, he's, he seems to be more like the type of guy you were talking about with miles Gaskin, where you're valuing the opportunity more so than the player. I think they're in the same boat. I accept, you know, I think because Gaskin's younger, he might he might be good. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's not good. I, I wasn't trying to but, say but that. Just to, to, but, to what you were, for me at least, what you were so what you were describing, this feels more like that type of guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um okay. Uh all right, so let's go to round six then and see if we're excited about any running backs here. And that would be after Kareem Hunt, it would be James Robinson, Chase Edmonds. Still going in the sixth round. I don't get it. <laughs> James Robinson, Chase Edmonds, Javante Williams, Raheem Most. It's going to be a lot of names. Uh, all well, right. Most it's round seven, right? Yeah. All right. So it's Robinson, Edmonds, and William, and Javante Williams. And then you're looking at Mostert, Melvin Gordon, Michael Carter, the Bucks guys, Trey Sermon. You know, this is a big group here. So, Jamie, why don't you pick some running backs that you gravitate to? In after round six, be, once round six begins. Oh, I'm going to take Damian Harris over all these guys. Um, you know, I, I I just think the opportunity that he has as the lead rusher for the Patriots with the team that's definitely going to run the ball a ton. Over Michael um, Carter? Uh, yeah, non-PPR, non-PPR. I'll t- I'll, PPR, I'll take Carter. Non-PPR, I'll take Harris. Over Edmonds. Back to back, I mean, both formats. Over Chase Edmonds, Heath wants to know. 
Uh, yes. Okay. So, so Damian Harris, you like I mean, everything you're hearing out of Arizona just feels messy. Just feels like it's going to be absolutely be messy. All right. So Harris, uh, Michael Carter, those would be your two favorites. Heath, how about you? Yeah. Edmonds is the top. And I think, um, like it's a, it depends on my running back group, but most or Damian Harris would be right there. I don't, like this group that we're talking about now extends all the way from round six through round eight or round nine, looking at ADP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really have a lot of interest in Leonard Fournette. I'll draft Ronald Jones a couple rounds later over him based on ADP. Um, Javante Williams has lots of upside, but I don't want to take Javante Williams unless I already have two running backs. And he's he's going 68th in ADP, but I don't know the date range here, and I don't buy that he's going 68th. I' not sure you can get Javante Williams in the sixth round anymore. Um, but it totally depends on where you're drafting. I think like NFC, you have to take him at the four or five turn. It seems like yeah. um, I, I would say CBS, you can probably get him in round six. Okay, so basically, this group that Heath is referring to is backfields that look like committees right now, but we don't know how they'll end up. Now, there are exceptions. We really, well, we don't know. But Michael Carter, we feel like he could beat out the competition there. But we've got the Niners. We've got the Cardinals. We've got the Buccaneers. We've got the Broncos. We've got the Jets. We've got the Texans, even though David Johnson is the only one that's really getting drafted. Um, so that's no, the group. Well, eh, but but in this range, I mean, in this range. Oh, sure. Um, Lindsey's uh, RB52. So and then and then there's Damian Harris. So Jamie, that's what it is for you. It's just that he's got his role. He's going to be there. It rushing. seems to be that way. You know, I, I, again, it's the Patriots, so things could change. Um, I would like it a lot better if they were to find a way to get rid of Sony Michel, uh, which I hope they do for Sony Michel's sake. But I think you know, just hearing everything that you're or, or looking at everything that that's coming out of Patriots camp, and you know, seeing the way that they used him last year, this team, the way they're going to run the ball, is going to be so much better than what we saw a year ago. Dave, give me your th- impressions of this group here and who you seem to take. So I'm looking for running backs that can get me at least 10 PPR points per game. would be nice if they did a little bit more than that, so I'm definitely looking for upside. And Carter is the one that tops the list. I look at the other running backs in New York, and yeah, it's it's ugly. The guys behind him on the depth chart with the Jets. And I think he's going to he, – he started camp as their 1A. I think he's going to be their 1A for the majority of the season. He's got good speed. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's small. He can hide behind those big offensive linemen, make a cut, and then he's off to the races. I think that he's got the potential that you're looking for from a fantasy running back in the round six range. James Robinson's on my list too, and I'll admit that he's a little touchdown dependent and a little bit more of a floor play, but I think he's going to be the main running back for Jacksonville this year. I I know that it doesn't make sense because they took ETN with a first-round pick, and you figure in time, ETN will just dominate the, the carries. Maybe that happens in the back half of the season, but I think Robinson gets off to a pretty decent start with Jacksonville, and maybe he holds on to that role for for a while. So I, I, I think it's safer to take Robinson in seven. I'm not opposed to taking him in six. And and another name that we haven't really talked about is Raheem Mostert, yes. who may not even be the starter for San Francisco, and, and the 49ers are going to be a mess. No, I don't think Mostert's going to average. He might average 10 PPR points per game in the games he's healthy for. What I'm concerned about with with the 49ers is that no matter who's healthy, they're going to mix and match. I don't think the odds are very high that we're going to have a workhorse running back out of San Francisco. But I'll take a guy who's fast. I'll take a guy who's been working on his hands and a guy who's been there in the system for a couple of years now. 
Um, that's in, in this range, if Mostert. I have to, I would do it. You're, you're talking about Mostert, right? Mostert the, over Sermon, right. The thing that I don't know with Carter and Mostert, like that discussion, Carter's younger, so he's more exciting, obviously. Um, <laughs> I don't know that Carter has more per-game touch upside than Mostert. Um, but but when, when you factor I in think, catches, though, like like he's... Right, but Mostert's probably... Like, all evidence we have suggests Mostert's going to have a three-and-a-half-yard lane before anybody touches him. <laughs> he's probably going to average five yards a carry, and he's probably going to be really good anytime he gets 10 to 12 touches. Like, if you told me that Raheem Mostert and Michael Carter both got 12 touches per game, I would assume that Raheem Mostert's going to score more fantasy points. Who's working the goal line for San Francisco? Well, I don't know why it uh, would be the rookie over Mostert. Well, because he's a little more physical, and they don't want to. And, and let's not Mostert discount Jeff Wilson. Get hurt. He'll still be back early in the season, you know. Sure. So that's another guy they're going to use. Adam's favorite player, play the sound. Golden, thank you for so giving me enough time. Somebody that they've you know mentioned about using. So this this feels <laughs> as much of a committee uh, as it has been. Um, you got to factor in the injury concern with Mostert too. You know, I mean, he, he tends to miss time. You know, I mean, Michael Carter could easily get hurt as well. But there seems to just be much better talent surrounding Raheem Mostert than there is surrounding Michael Carter. I mean, you know, no disrespect to Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, and Michael Pirine, but I, I think Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson, when he's healthy, and, and Wayne Gallman are a better group. And yeah. the 49ers have shown you, you know, it's like we always want to take – trends right from when a coaching coach leaves a coaching staff you know and so uh mike lafleur leaving you know kyle shanahan is he going to do the same thing you know and you would have said the patriots guys leaving bill belichick and and doing the same thing well brian flores didn't do that he had a guy leaned on a guy and you know the coaching staff leaned on a guy i don't know if mike lafleur is going to do the same thing but michael carter seems to be getting the majority of the first team work whereas you know the report today is trey sermon's getting first team work with the 49ers and so if he if he proves to be as good as he looked at Ohio State, it may be difficult for Raheem Mostert to get the amount of touches like you're talking about. Heath, he could really go into a secondary role. Well, Sermon's interesting because he you know his forty time is not very impressive, but his I think ten yard dash very impressive, which is really important for the 49ers offense. That's why they liked him. And you know what something Dave said is really interesting because I I'm kind of a Mostert guy. I mean I really believe in Mostert. He is. Blazing fast. He had two of the fastest plays by a running back last year. He ran like 22 miles per hour. Um, but he does get hurt all the time. If if we don't really think that Sir, like so that's why I was kind of leaning, I'll just take Sermon and wait for the injury. But if Dave, you don't think that they're going to just give the keys to Sermon if Mostert gets injured, then that's kind of a bummer. I will say that they really did use Mostert. It might not be obvious from the game logs, but first, before he got hurt at the beginning of the season... Last year, they, they really did use Mostert as a primary back in a way that we maybe weren't expecting. Uh, so they, well, I think he had 14 to 16 carries in the three games late in the year. Did he? With Jeff Wilson? Yeah. He okay. averaged 13 attempts per game on the balance of the year, um, and he was under 50% of the snaps after week one last year. But some of that was he left injuries. Some of that was, uh, he, there, was there was a blowout where he didn't play down the stretch. But, right, but there wasn't a game where he was over 50% of the snaps. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, but his but, last five games, he had 17, 16, 9, 14, and 14 carries. Like he, that's, Yeah, that's good. And then Wilson had a lot in those games, too. But I think my point is, if you're a Sermon guy, 
you're, part of you is going, well, if if Mostert gets hurt, I'm going to have a stud. And do you feel that? I don't think Dave feels that way. No. No, not yet. Do, it would be a departure from what we've seen from the 49ers. Exactly. If, if they did that. But again, you know, Mostert, a scrap heap guy, he'll bounce around the league. Wilson, a scrap heap guy, you know, I mean, think think about this is a guy, not that they made a huge investment, but when they had all these guys still, they spent a third round pick on Trey Sermon. So maybe this is the type of player that can not necessarily be a 25 touch guy, maybe not a 20 touch guy, but maybe an 18 touch guy and work the goal line and, you know, maybe use him a little bit in the passing game. And again, shake things up a little bit when, if he proves to be that type of player, you know, that's, it, it, it's, it's again, going back to what I said about some of the guys at the start of the show, that's the op- optimistic view of, of what Trey Sermon is. But I think in this range of, of players, you know, you're, you're taking some shots on guys that if things hit for them, you have a league winning type of player. And if Trey Sermon becomes the lead running back for the 49ers, maybe big, maybe, but maybe that is what could happen. All right. We're going to do rapid fire fantasy reaction. You have 10 seconds to give me your thoughts on the following players. Javante Williams, Jamie. Uh, if he separates from Melvin Gordon, has star potential. Uh, but why is he not at the front of the group? You have ten extra seconds because I think a He's lot of people right are- there for me with Harrison and Carter, there oh. and Edmonds. All four of those guys I think are in this range. All right, Dave. You get he, so Jamie gets Javante Williams, the shiny new car. You get what's in the box, David Johnson. Give me your thoughts. Well, he's not dead. And he's on a team that ran the ball at a historically low rate last year. They'll run it a little bit more. Hopefully he gets around 14 carries per game. Good bench running back. Yeah. John Doe has the upper hand. John Doe has the upper hand. No idea. What's in the box? That's uh, that's seven? Yeah. John Doe has the upper hand? I don't know that one. All right, Heath, that's ready? Morgan, that's Morgan Freeman running back when he realized <laughs> what's in the box. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, gross. Uh, Heath. Bucks running backs. Uh, man, I think if Giovanni Bernard stays healthy, it's probably unlikely that either Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette give you a top 25 season. And if all three of them stay healthy, then it's just really, really gross. But I I think um, Ronald Jones is the one you want to draft if you're drafting one of the early downs backs. I think Gio is the best value in PPR because he's available after round 12. How about this group Just of three? The side was about three seconds, and then the rest of it was way over ten seconds. Yeah, it was. That's okay though, because I gave him two running. I gave him a backfield. I had, right. Yeah, I had three backs. I had thirty seconds. <laughs> How about this group that goes uh, after the Bucks guys, after the 49ers guys? Zach Moss, ninety eighth overall. James Connor, um, Kenyon Drake. Good time for this. Zach Moss left today's practice with a hamstring injury. Wow, <laughs> shocked. Yeah, this is a problem totally for shocked. him. So that's injury number eight. In the last <laughs> three years. Hopefully it's nothing, but he did leave practice with a hamstring injury. Well, I, I, do you like, independent of that for now, do you like Moss, Connor, and Drake at 100th overall? I like Connor and Drake more than Moss. Connor I like, I like the most. Moss like and Drake. Moss and Connor more than Drake. Yeah, Drake. Assuming Moss is healthy. Okay, and then we've got, then we're going to start to get to the, yes, they're handcuffs, but also they're going to have a role. A.J. Dillon, Devin Singletary, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, Gus Edwards, Naeem Hines, J.D. McKissick, Latavius Murray. You know, who's who are the ones that you typically look at there? Heath, we got 
uh, Dylan, Singlet- Dylan, Div- Singletary, Pollard, Jamal Williams, Gus Edwards, Naeem Hines, J.D. McKissick, Latavius Murray. <laughs> Williams has the highest projection for me currently. I think he could be a, a decent flex. Um, Dylan's right behind that and has a lot more upside than Williams. Singletary is available like four rounds after these guys usually. So <laughs> It's true. Um, all right. Yeah, I think these guys kind of speak for themselves. So if there's anyone that you think you could actually start, Jamal Williams would be Heath's answer. Dave, is there someone that you think actually could start out of Dylan, Singletary, Pollard, Jamal Williams, Edwards, Naeem Hines, McKissick, Latavius Murray? In week one, the only answer is Williams, and it's just on the hunch that he takes on that physical... I don't think he's going to be that 1A guy like they've been talking about. I think he works 9, 10 touches a game and maybe works short yardage goal line for Detroit. Dylan would be next for me, but I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him. Maybe non-PPR Gus Edwards... He had a lot of no. weeks with seven-ish points. So yes. that's really not that bad. I mean, you don't want to start him. I mean, that. I want to start him, though. Uh, but, you know, bi-week replacement, you could do worse. All right, anyone else? What's that? Are there buys in week one? <laughs> no. Uh, let's see. Jamie, we're finishing up our running back preview. There are other backups available here. Um, high-end handcuffs. Maybe maybe Chuba Hubbard has a good year. Oh, well, we don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. But... Um, mm-hmm. Jamie, any names that I missed that you want to talk about, like uh, Kadri Allison or Josh? Daryl Williams, Xavier Jones, and Samaj P. Ryan. You know, all guys that are in situations where uh, we've, we've seen it in some cases before with uh, uh, Daryl Williams. Did I say Damian Williams? Daryl Williams. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Darryl what about Williams. Damian Williams? Uh, about last year, you know where they used him down the stretch. Um, if Edward Solaire gets hurt, you know, he's got a, the opportunity to play in that Chiefs offense behind that offensive line with that quarterback and that coach. So I like that. Uh, Xavier Jones uh, seems to be uh, competing with uh, uh, Funk to be the backup to Daryl Henderson. But if whoever gets that job could you know, get those touches that Henderson was getting last year in tandem with Akers or whoever the second guy was with Akers um, when it was Malcolm Brown. And then Samaj P. Ryan, you know, again, the, the Bengals can potentially use him as their number two guy if something happens to Joe Mixon. And as we saw last year, something happened to Joe Mixon. So those are we- three guys I take late in a lot of leagues. And I've got a new uh, new um, suggestion proposal for the uh, cockroach, um, Justin Jackson. We've uh, <laughs> buried him multiple times over the past two two seasons, and uh, recent reports say he's getting a majority of the work with Austin Eckler. And in their first depth chart, he was lifted listed ahead of Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree again. Um, one of those guys is going to be in that Jamal Williams or better role with the Chargers in a much better offense. Uh, right, we just don't know right. who it's going to be. All right. Awesome. That is, uh, that's the last time we're going to talk about running backs until draft, uh, until the season starts, everybody. So and obviously running back uh, previews, they never end. This, these are fluid previews. We'll be amending our opinions as the news comes in, as the preseason games start, which is very, very soon. And, uh, yeah, we, we got a lot more for you. Wide receiver part one and part two coming up later this week. Also a mailbag on Saturday and our salary cap draft that we just did on Tuesday. We're going to air that as a podcast on Sunday. I want to thank Dave, Jamie, and Heath and all of you for listening. I am Adam, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.